today we're talking about the power of one. And today's the power of one choice. Over the last, few, last week and this week, last week I talked about the power of one person. This week, the power of one choice. Next week, the power of one act. And the final week, the power of one word. Genesis chapter one, verse one. You can go and open it up in the Bible if you would. Genesis one, one. This should be the easiest verse for you to find in the entire Bible. It's literally on page what? One. <laughs> Genesis one, one. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the first thing God did in that beginning? Anyone you know? He created. The truth is the first thing God did was he made a choice to create. God decided to create something and then he created what he chose. God had the desire, the choice to make whether to create or not and he chose to create and then he created what he chose. I want you to see that as a pattern today. Later on in that chapter, you'll see that God makes man in his own image. And one of the greatest gifts that God gives us, one of the greatest abilities, one of the greatest weapons we have, one of the greatest empowerments that we have is the ability to choose, say choose. And I wanna to talk to you about the power of a choice because your choice has the ability to set the course of your life and the course of someone else's life. Making the right choice brings about godly results. Making wrong choices can bring about destruction and even death, the power of choice. But I want you to see that you have the ability to choose. Aren't you grateful today? You are not robots. You are not automatons, amen? When you look at God's creation, there are animal life, there's animal life and there's animals that look like they maybe have some intelligence here or there. There's some very intelligent animals, absolutely. But so much of God's creation doesn't have the same type of ability to reason to decide, to be able to have impulses and not act on all the impulses that they have. You have the ability to feel one thing, but yet make a better choice than being led by your feelings and emotions. You are made in the image of God. You don't just react like other animals in the earth. You don't just respond to stimuli. You don't just respond to situations. You have the ability to think. You have the ability to lay hold of better thoughts. You have the ability to even ask questions in the middle of it, and you can do it at lightning speed. God is so good. And today I wanna to remind you that you have this tool in your tool belt, this weapon in your backpack, this ability to choose, and God is giving you the freedom to choose. It wouldn't be a power or a choice if your decision didn't create some sort of effect or consequence. So I'm gonna give you a little kind of theology kind of some reasonable thoughts in this idea. But think about this for a minute. Your ability to choose, to decide, wouldn't be very valuable if it didn't create an effect or a consequence. To give someone the illusion of a choice but then ignore their choice or even void its consequences really wouldn't be choice or freedom, would it? Let me say it another way. God gave Adam and Eve the ability to decide a thing and to choose in the garden. And they made the wrong choice. And that one choice impacted the rest of humanity in our timeline. Do you remember this story? Yeah? But what if God would have stopped them from making that choice? What if God would have even said, oh, you disobeyed me, but it's all right, no big deal. Do you understand that in order for your choice to have value, for your choice to have wait to, to truly be a power and a freedom, there has to be an effect that your choice creates. Sometimes we wanna be able to do whatever we want and we want none of what the negative that that choice would have affected. Are you understanding that? We wanna be able to make whatever choice we want and we don't want any of the consequences of that choice. But then that takes away your freedom. That takes away the power of that choice. We have the power to live for God and to do things His way and to receive His promises and we have the absolute power to completely destroy and wreck our lives and the lives of other people around us. And we want God to come in and just fix the things we don't wanna see happen because of consequences and choice, but we don't necessarily wanna make better choices. 
And so today I just wanna bring you back to the idea that your power to choose and your freedom is something that God has entrusted you with and your choices will have consequences and effect. Amen? For instance, God gave Adam and Eve the power of choice in the garden. Consequences then went with those choices. What if God would have stopped them from choosing? What if he would have removed the consequences of their choice? I am so thankful for the ability to choose. It means, think about this, the ability to choose. It means I do not have to live by my feelings. The ability to choose, please write that in your notes. Because you have the ability to choose, you do not have to live by your feelings or impulses. It means I get to decide some things. Think about that, would you? Think about God's confidence in his creation to give them the ability to decide some things in their lives. Do you understand how God sees you? God knows how he made you. He made you in his own image. God gives us the freedom. God gives us the ability to decide, to choose. And I just want you to see that's God being confident in what he has made. It means that the devil doesn't get to choose for me. Say, well, the devil's after me. The devil's got a plan for my life. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for your life. You get to decide whether or not you let the devil come in, steal, kill, and destroy, or you resist him and make him flee from you. You get to choose. Even when it comes to impulses and feelings and sin, we've talked, this is what we're talking about today. You do not have to live by impulses, by what you feel. There are people who feel things that are attracting them to sinful outcomes, but you don't have to go that way. You don't have to make that choice. You are not a slave. When you've given your life to Jesus Christ, sin no longer has dominion over you. You may feel like losing your temper. You may feel like going after lust and pornography. You may feel like walking out on your family. You don't have to do everything you feel. You may feel like quitting, but you don't have to quit. You may feel like fear, but you can walk in faith. The devil doesn't get to choose. Your feelings don't get to choose. You, the real you, the son, the daughter of God, that spirit person on the inside of you gets to choose. Amen. It also means that other people don't get to decide for you either. It doesn't matter what the world around you is saying about you. It matters what you say. It matters the choices that you make. That even means that if your family has lived substandard to God's will for their life, you can choose to live beyond what your family legacy has ever been. Just because they had certain addictions and sin patterns and generational curses that have lived through their life, you can come out of agreement with that. And you can create a family that doesn't have that same destruction in its wake. Amen. The ability to choose comes with the responsibility of your choices. When Adam and Eve sinned, God chose to make a better decision. I love this. The ability to choose comes with a responsibility of that choice. Adam and Eve opened the door to the consequences of their choice. And then God had a choice to make. It's amazing how someone else's wrong choice often creates a moment for you to choose. God's choice was either to let us stay lost and die or to provide a way of life. Who in this room is thankful that God chose to send his one and only son and chose a better plan for our lives than sin and death? I want us to see this just for a second because again, you are made in the image of God. Say made in the image of God. Look at what happened. Adam and Eve made a choice. Their choice had consequences, had results. God had a choice to make how he was going to respond to someone else's bad choices. This happens to us all the time. There are people in our lives that make wrong choices. They choose to abuse, they choose to abandon, they choose to sin, they choose anger, they choose words that are full of death. Are you hearing me, church? 
They choose to steal, they choose to kill, they choose to destroy. We are surrounded by people who use their choices and their choices have consequences. But then God had a choice. You like God will be in this situation where someone else's negative choice will present you with the choice. But you are made in the image of God. Man. And God gives you the freedom to make a choice. What am I saying? You don't have to choose in a response like what they did to you or what they did to destroy the world around you. You can choose a better way. Say better way. That's what God did. Adam and Eve took his creation and polluted it, brought death to it, literally said to God, we wanna be our own God, turn their back on him, betrayed him in the beauty of what he just made. God in that moment could have said, I'm done with mankind. I'm done with humanity. It's over, start it over again. But God made a different choice. God made a choice to come alongside and to rescue and to love them. And we have the ability to make better choices when people hurt us. And their choices have genuine consequences. It's one thing to say, I can forgive someone and make a better choice if maybe it didn't really affect anything. But it's another story, isn't it, when what they did actually hurt something, actually broke something. And you're like, you really messed this up. But even in that moment, you have the ability to choose your response, to choose what you will say and what you will do. It's a powerful gift. You have the ability to choose. I have the ability to choose. And please know, even in preaching this today, I'm not saying that every choice I make has been perfect, but this is a great reminder even to myself that I don't have to react to everything just the way I feel or just in response to what they did to me. I can choose better things. I can choose better thoughts. I can choose better responses. I am made in the image of God and I wanna imitate my heavenly father like a dear child. Should we not be imitators of God like dear children, the Bible says in Ephesians? God made better choices when people broke what he made. When people came against things and destroyed something he loved, God made a better choice. Are you hearing me? And may we be imitators of God. We wanna be made in the image of God. We love that. We are made in the image of God. And he's saying, imitate me like a dear child. Don't imitate how your father responded. Don't imitate how your mother responded. Don't imitate how the people around you respond. Imitate how your heavenly father responds in wisdom and in truth. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 12, do not be overcome by evil but you overcome evil by doing good. That's how our heavenly father chose to respond. That's what we can do. God, when someone's choice intersects my life and their choice is trying to harm or destroy or bring calamity or darkness into my life, what would be your response, oh God? What would be your response, Heavenly Father? I lean not on my own understanding right now. I acknowledge you. We use that verse so much, but you know you can use it before you respond too. I don't wanna be overcome by this evil. What they did was evil. It truly brought some pain into my life. It really hurts. But now, oh God, I don't wanna be overcome by that evil. I will overcome that evil with good. What is the good right now? that you would have me do? What is the good right now that you would have me do? Would it be to bless my enemy? Would it be to bring them a cup of cold water? Would it be to forgive? Would it be to pray for them? Would it be yes to speak truth to them, but somehow not put the punishment I wanna put upon them? God, what is the good right now? Because I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the good. I'm feeling the flesh. I'm feeling the fallen man. I'm feeling the old Italian side of Kevin's history. You see what I'm saying? Some vengeance is mine, declareth Kevin. <laughs> I believe in the five-fold ministry. One, two, three, four, five. I'm about to lay some hands on this one. But you see, I have the ability to make a better choice. Say better choice. I know what I want to do. I know what I wanna say, 
but I want to be an imitator of God, like a dear child. And I don't want to be overcome because here's the thing, you give into that hate, you give into that revenge, you give into that, you will be overcome by it. I want to overcome this by doing the right thing, the good thing. God, I lean not on my own understanding. Show me the right thing to do right now. You have the ability to take your thoughts captive. See, you, you think in your mind that's the, what should happen, that's the way you should respond. But God even gives you the choice to decide if your thoughts are the correct thoughts. And the ability to take that thought captive. My pastor growing up used to say, you can't keep thoughts from entering your head like you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. You don't have to sit there and dwell on those thoughts, but you can take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. The Bible goes on to say that you have the ability to set your mind, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated, not things here on the earth. You don't have to just sit here and dwell on the circumstances. You have the ability to set your mind above those circumstances where Christ is seated. And he has the ability to make all things work together for good to those who love him. That's why you want to set your mind where he is because you're down in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. But he sees it from a different perspective. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows that if you'll do it his way that he will bring so much out of this thing. He can turn this thing for good if you'll go his way. Amen. You have the ability to choose. You can choose to think on the right things. The Bible says, think on these things. Amen? If there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Are you getting anything out of this so far? Deuteronomy chapter 30. Chapter 30, verse 15. Deuteronomy 30. Verse 15, now listen, this is God speaking to his children, listen, today, say today. today, so not tomorrow, not next week, but it's always right now in the present. Today, I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy, in the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you're drawn away and you serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long good lives in the land you are crossing over in the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call heaven and earth as a witness, the choice you make, on the choice you make, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's powerful, isn't it? Can you see what God is saying here? He comes to his people and he says, today I put before you, what was it? Life and death. Blessing and cursing. And then he says, choose life. I love that God is trying to hint towards what he wants us to do here. <laughs> it's like today and my friends, every day, choices come our way. And they're choices that will either be seeds of life or seeds of death. Wouldn't it be great if every choice that came our way had a label on it? Think about it. There's opportunities that come to you to be selfless. But do we choose to be selfless or are we about to choose to be selfish? There's a choice between life and death, blessing and cursing. And you are the one that has to make the choice. God cannot make this choice for you. Do you know the devil doesn't make these choices for you? 
You can't blame your mom and your dad and you can't even blame the person that you're upset with. God says to them today, I set before you, and I'm telling you every day, there are moments that are set before us that are like these grocery shelves. And I wish we could see it. I wish we had a, eyes to see in the spirit realm. Is the choice I'm about to make a life choice or is it a death choice? Is it a seed towards life or is it a seed towards death? Are you understanding this illustration? Over here you have blessing. I have the ability to bless. I can even bless my enemies, the Bible says. I can even bless those who curse me, the Bible says. That's how much power you have in choice. Or I can choose to curse them back. And you might say, but that feels better. <laughs> and man, I've got some good ones in my mind and they need to be let out so people could write them down and, and say, man, that guy is, he's good at that. Like cutting, he is so talented. You need to hear what's in my head. But I have the choice to, to hold my tongue as well. I have the choice to bless even when I don't wanna bless. Here's the thing, I, there are times I wanna bless. And that's not really that difficult. It's harder and more faith to bless when I don't wanna bless. Amen. To speak life when really right now what I wanna speak is death. Are you hearing me? There's times even, whether it's over a ministry, whether it's over a business, whether it's over different areas in your life, there's times where you feel so much fear and anxiety and there's so much confusion going on. It's easy to just speak death over something. Death over your ministry, death over the church, death over your finances, death over your health because you feel like it's all falling apart. But can you choose to say what God has promised instead of the reality of what you're seeing with your natural eyes. You have the ability to choose. Do you have the ability to choose life and death, happiness or sadness? You can throw off the sadness, amen? Throw off those cloaks of sadness and mourning. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I can choose to do that. I love it every Sunday when we come in and we're like, make a choice. Make a choice right now to worship God. Maria says it all the time. You may not feel like worshiping God. You may not feel like speaking faith. You may not feel like celebrating and clapping and singing and dancing, but we don't have to be moved by what we feel. We know who God is. We know that he's faithful. We know he hasn't abandoned us. I choose to set my mind on things above and I begin to praise him for who he is. My circumstances are subject to change. So I can choose joy. I can choose happiness. I can throw off the sadness. Amen. You can go to forgiveness or offense. Offense is a choice to remain offended, to remain in a prison of offense. But do you know that Jesus has opened prison doors? He gives you the ability to walk out of that offense. You don't have to live in that bitterness and that poison. Unforgiveness, I heard said one time, and bitterness is like you drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. You being bitter and full of offense isn't affecting them at all, but it's stealing from your life, stealing your joy, stealing your purpose, stealing your thoughts, because you're so fixated on that hurt, you can't be creative and create something better and new. You're stuck in a point in your past rather than moving on to the destiny of God in your life. Let go of the offense. Let God be the judge. Amen, release them to his judgment. You forgive, you move on. You go create something great out of your life, no matter what they did or what they said. They don't own you. Don't give them that much power over you. Come on now. <laughs> Compassion, love, you can choose hate or cruelty, bondage, Freedom, light, dark. We have the ability to choose. Choose you this day who you will serve. Choose you this day, blessing, cursing. 
Freedom, bondage, light, dark. You choose, you choose, you choose. You were made in the image of God. You have the ability to choose. You have the ability to decide a thing and to create what you decided and to live in that life that God has given you the ability to make some choices over. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that every choice that comes your way is a life or death choice. Obviously, there's things. Do I have vanilla or chocolate? Either. Or both. That's a choice. I'm not saying there's life or death in that. I'll tell you this, though. If you eat too much ice cream, you're choosing death a little quicker. But I also want you to see that I use the words seeds and choices on purpose because it's like Adam and Eve. God said the day you eat the fruit, you will die, but they didn't die in their eyes, but they did die. They died spiritually. They became separated with God. And eventually that death showed up in their physical body 900 years later. So many times we're making choices towards death, but we're not, we're like, we're not dying. I can hold on to that bitterness. I can hold on to that selfishness. I can curse people and I'm not dying. Look, here I am. I'm, you know, 70, 80, whatever. Listen, something dies when you choose death. And sometimes you don't see the fullness of that death maybe for weeks or months or years to come, but there is a promise in the word of God and it's a positive promise and a negative promise. And that is this, you will reap what you sow. And God will not be mocked. If you sow towards the spirit, you sow towards life, you will reap from those seeds. Even if you don't see it right away, but you keep sowing the right things because you know you will reap from those right seeds. But the same is true with the bad seeds. If you sow those bad seeds, if you choose death all the time, if you're always making these death choices, it will produce a harvest in your life. And you can't blame the devil and you can't blame the others and you can't blame God. You hear me, church? You have the power to make a choice. Mm, that's really good preaching. It's excellent, excellent. If I had a handkerchief, I'd wave it at myself right now because that's the kind of preaching that is. Make a choice about God. Here, let's move on from life, death, choice. Let's just talk about making some choices in your life now. Some of you, you've been a person between two thoughts and between two lives. And I felt in my spirit today, I'm supposed to challenge you to start making some choices today. One of the choices I meant to challenge you with is this, make a decision about who you will serve. That whole thing about having one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in your old life and in darkness, do you know that's a deception? You're like, well, I'm walking the fence. There is no fence. You are either in the kingdom of darkness all the way, or you're in the kingdom of God all the way. Don't deceive yourself that you're in both. You're kind of like playing the game. There's no game to be played. The devil will let you think that you're in the kingdom of God, though you may not be. Are you hearing me? That you've got it all figured out and that somehow you've, you've bent the system. But Jesus is either the Lord of all in your life or he's not the Lord at all in your life. Make a decision, choose you this day whom you will serve. If you're gonna serve the Lord, then serve him with all your heart. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means your heart is perfectly towards God. It means with your heart, you wanna please him, you wanna serve him. You're not trying to get as close to the edge as you can. You're not trying to play with the darkness like, and still get into heaven and slide in by the skin of your teeth. You are in, you love God. You may still trip up, but he's working things out in your life. But your heart is holy gods. There are no other gods before him. If you're going to serve the Lord, then serve him. Are you hearing me? And you might think, well, I don't, I'm kind of avoiding making a decision. <laughs> Here's the thing, avoiding a decision is a decision. You've made a decision, you've made a choice. And that choice is you're not gonna serve him with all your heart. You're like that sounds really strong, but that's the reality of what you're saying. Amen? Make your choice. Joshua chapter 4, 24, verse 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I've made a decision. Choose you this day. Are you going to serve the gods of your ancestors? Are you going to serve the gods of this world? Who are you going to serve? As for me and my house, I make a decision. I make a choice that my house, we serve the Lord. We serve the one true God. We serve Jesus Christ, the living God. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Again, that doesn't make you perfect, but it means your heart is holy God's. Amen. If you're going to serve the Lord, serve him as the Lord. If you're not going to serve the Lord, then understand that you are rejecting the Lord. That's tough, man. Because in this world, we never want to say the negative of something. We always just want to encourage people through positive affirmation, right? It's like, well, you're not just, you're not, you know, it's just, a, you know, you're on a journey, you're seeking God, whatever. Some people have been seeking God for 40 years. You just not made a choice. You don't want to, you don't want to give up some stuff. Are you hearing me? Like it's one thing if someone's genuinely seeking, which means they're studying, they're asking questions, or they're going after it with energy. It's another thing to use seeking as an excuse for being lazy about making a decision. Another handkerchief moment. Wave the hankies. That's strong, right? But it's true. But you have to be confronted with the choices that you're making. If you're choosing, because you have an intelligent mind, to say, I'm not going to serve the Lord, then you're making a decision. You're making a choice to say, I am not serving the Lord and I'm giving up his benefits. I'm giving up his ransom and his payment. This is not just about like playing games in church. You're either accepting life or you're taking on death. Man. We see powerful choices in the Bible that changed history, changed people's lives. Esther. How many of you know the story of Esther? Raise your hand. You know the story of Esther. I want you to see, because today I wanted to bring you back to the ability. You have the ability to choose. Nobody can make those choices for you. You have the ability to look and say, am I going to choose life or am I going to choose death? But also great choices, great leaders, great heroes in the Bible made great choices. Again, God chooses to partner with an individual, but he doesn't force them. He doesn't force them to do things. God will come to you with an opportunity to sacrifice, to serve, to be a testimony, to give your life in one way, shape, or form to the goodness of the kingdom of God. And you have the ability to decide. God doesn't force you. He presents it to you because he won't violate your choice. You can choose to say no. You can choose to not do what he's calling you to do. There are people all over the world who have not said yes to the calling of God upon their life because they wanted to go after their own pursuits. But that calling is still there upon their life if they just surrender and say, God, I will do what you've called me to do. And that doesn't mean that you all become pastors and preachers. There are callings upon your life to be in business, but for the glory of God. To be in entertainment, but for the glory of God. Are you hearing me? Esther, she made a quality decision. Her nation, her people, the Jews were about to be executed, just wiped out. And she had a choice whether or not to go before the king without being summoned. And in that day, there was a law that you could not approach the king. You could not go disrespecting him, coming in when he wasn't asking for you. You know, we're so casual with one another. We don't know what it's like to have like that kind of like kingdom and authority and protocols. But back then, if the king didn't ask for you, you don't just go barging into the king's throne. You're like, but she's his wife, didn't matter. He didn't call for her. It's also a beautiful picture of how the ways have been made open for us to go into the throne of grace and find help whenever you have time of need. That's beautiful because that wasn't cultural. You just go into the king's throne whenever you need something. In our generation, we're so familiar with people, that's easy. But think about when this was written. Are you hearing me? That's huge. The king of the universe says you can come whenever you desire rather than whenever he just calls, right? It's pretty cool. But Esther was risking her life of whether or not she was going to go. And she was first of all going to tell the king that she was one of those Jews. So she was going to acknowledge the fact that if they're going to die, she is one. She was, she was informing him that she's in that same category. And if he's going to fulfill what he desired, she was literally exposing the fact that she was one of them and would be executed as well. That's a big deal. 
So she was going to be breaking protocol, showing in some ways disrespect, and she was going to be making herself vulnerable for execution when she didn't have to. She didn't have to give up. I mean, she was living good, man. She had like two years of beauty treatments before she even met the king. I mean, they were taking care of Esther. She had clothes, she had the lotions and the, you know, whatever, ate what she wanted. She was fine. <laughs> she, she didn't have to give up any of that comfort. She didn't have to give up her success. She didn't have to expose herself to losing it all. But then she did. Mordecai came to her and said that perhaps you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. But then he looked at her and said, look, if you don't, if you don't do this, God will bring deliverance another way. What? Yeah, God's not gonna be stopped, but I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of the solution. I'm giving you an opportunity to be a chain breaker, I'm giving you an opportunity to be a fire starter, I'm giving you an opportunity to be a world changer. She could have said no. Sometimes we don't see that parts of scripture, but she could have said no, God wasn't gonna force her. And where does that come into our life? Why are you bringing that up, Pastor Kevin? Because that's a challenge to us. God comes to many of us and you're successful. You have resource, you have influence, but he's saying, I've got a calling upon your life to be a light and a testimony. I've got a calling on your life to do more than just make money. I've got a calling on your life to identify yourself with me as your Lord and Savior. And at this moment, do you want to reveal to your coworkers, do you want to reveal to this world that you are a Christian, that you're a child of God? Or here's another one, even another little, you know, thing. What about being a spirit-filled believer? Somebody who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, someone who believes that God still heals, God still speaks that you do speak in a language that you do not know. You're like, oh, don't make me let people know that, Pastor Kevin. I'm not asking you to wear a button that says you speak in tongues. <laughs> but I am saying, what if God was to put his hand upon you and say, I need you to step forward and let the world see the real you who loves me. Are you willing to do that and risk your influence and risk your comfort and risk, you have a choice. How many times in business meetings or at school are you presented with an opportunity to be a light, but you choose to hide in the dark? You have the opportunity to speak truth, but you're too scared of what's gonna happen. And so you just stay silent. Come on church, God's shaking this earth. And he's looking for people who know how to make better choices. He gave you the power to choose. This world wants to dominate what you choose and to make you shrink back from using your ability to choose to live for God and speak out and be a light and trying to take that power away because you're being pressured by the culture. And they will shame you into submission because if you don't do it their way, they will point a finger at you and say that you're out of align, alignment but you still have a choice to be salt, to be light, to speak the truth. Are you hearing me? But like Esther, are you willing to put yourself on the line? Are you willing to face ridicule and loss? I'm not saying go be crazy, right? I'm not saying just go be weird, saying I'm doing this for God and I'm gonna go like hang off the side of a building with a big banner and be all like, Look, I'm not asking you to do anything that God isn't asking you to do. Don't go create weirdness. You gotta say that sometimes. I'm saying obey God, but be willing. You have freedom of choice. Abraham had an ability, had a choice to make. I used Esther as an example of being a witness, but Abraham had a choice. Abraham had a choice when God said, go. Leave this comfort, leave this familiar land to a place I'll show you. Leave something. And I believe there's a lot of individuals that God in this room, now I'm gonna start speaking to you from some things the Lord told me to say. I don't know who I'm talking to in the room or online, but I believe these are specific statements and stories for you. Can you listen with some intensity right now? Abraham made a choice to go. God had him leave something. I believe some of you watching or visiting today have been between two minds for far too long. 
regarding making a move to Orlando or to Calvary or not. Or making a move, maybe you're here visiting today and there's a different move, there's a career move, there's a move. You've been between two minds, hesitating, but you know what the Lord has been speaking to your life. It's time to make a choice. Not making a choice is a choice. And I believe there are individuals that you've been having your foot in the door of Calvary and God has been pulling you in and pulling you in. Make a choice. Because the fullness of what God's doing here will not manifest in your life if you're in half-hearted or double-minded. So come on all in, say all in. Come on, Calvary's great, come on in, the water's fine. Come on in. Some of you, you've been driving back and forth, flying back and forth for months now, just sell the house and move, man. You're spending more money on plane tickets, you're watching us online all the time. Just get here. You're like, that's, can't believe he's saying that. Neither can I, but I felt like I was supposed to say this. Just get here. God is on the move in this place. Amen. There's a momentum mounting. Get in. Plug in. Get into the membership classes. Get into the classes we're doing. Move. Make a decision, man. That's powerful. It's good. Once you make a decision, God will reveal the plan in the next steps. Here's what happens. So many times we want God to show you the whole future before you make a decision to trust him. God's not gonna show you the whole thing. He told Abraham, I'll show you as you go. And I can speak this from experience. You're never gonna, my own family, when the Lord told us to lay everything down in Illinois, our, our comfort, our church, all the things, and he said, move to Orlando. And he gave me the vision about being here in Calvary. I didn't know all the steps. And that's not to pat me on the back. It's to say, look, I understand what you're feeling. And even that first year we were here, I didn't understand everything. I still don't understand everything, but here's what I do understand. God is faithful and he'll do what he promised he was gonna do. And he'll do it in ways I never thought or imagined, amen. But here's, here's where we're stuck. We want God to show you the whole plan before you make a decision. Make the decision and God will give you the next step. And then you take that step and he'll give you another step and then another step. Don't wait for the whole thing. God's not gonna do that because he's gonna activate your faith. Amen. Some choices I heard in my spirit that I'll just speak quickly over this house that need to happen and you need to make them today. First one that came to my spirit was this, a choice to propose. There are individuals that you've been waiting to pop that question, ask her. Ask her, go get the ring. Yeah. Go get the ring, stop living together. Ask her to marry you. Make it right, make a covenant. Get under the blessing of God, propose. Get on one knee. Some of you, maybe you need both knees to persuade her. I don't know, but ask her to marry you. I just felt, boom, there, you gotta do that. I'm moving on. Next. There are some of you, listen, there's some of you, you need to break up with that person. You are in an unhealthy relationship. Light is not supposed to have fellowship or darkness. They don't want to serve God. They're not going to raise kids in the, serving God. You keep thinking, well, they're going to change. Don't marry them to change them. For some of you, you're in an abusive relationship. You're letting things go far too far. Break up, get out, make a choice. You still have the power to choose. But what if I hurt them? What if they hurt me? What? Listen, God will give you the next step. And we're gonna believe God that nobody's physically hurt and we'll try to help anyone who needs help. But get out, make a choice, break off that relationship, that unhealthy relationship. And that would be the same thing if you're married and you're flirting with someone that's not your spouse. Stop it. Break off that relationship. That is not your spouse. They are not gonna bring you life. Are you understanding? Break it off. There's another one. Keep the child, keep the baby. And that may be you on the internet right now, you may be in the room. Keep the baby. The Bible says life begins in a mother's womb. Stop contemplating and toying with other options. 
You need to make a choice to lead. Some of you in this room, you need to stop being in the shadows and you need to start letting yourself go to the forefront and being a leader, whether it's in, in things in, 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 at work or things where God has given you leadership in a friendship circle. You need to lead. You are salt, you are light, you are the city on a hill. You need to make a choice today to stop hiding from your calling. Stop running from your calling, whatever that may be. Write those books, preach those sermons. You say, well, no one's putting me on a platform. The world is a platform. You don't need someone to put you on a stage like this. That world is a greater stage. There's not enough space on this stage for all the preachers that are in this room right now. You need to preach on the platform that God has given you, but open your mouth. Some of you are contemplating adoption or foster care. Do it. The Lord's giving you the green light. Adopt. Bring in foster care kids. Some of you have a choice to go back to school. Go back to school. Finish your degree if that's what God has been dealing with you on. Make a choice. Make a choice. You say, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. Make a choice and let God help you with the miracle of paying for it, okay? Make a choice. Some of you need to make a choice to get help regarding an addiction or an oppression in your life, oppression in your life. Get help. There is help, there's teen challenge, there are addiction recovery programs, there's pornography addiction recoveries, there's alcohol, drug abuse addiction recoveries. There's recoveries for anything, but you have to reach out and say, I'm ready to get some help. I'm ready to be done with this thing dominating my life. Make a choice. The addiction doesn't have to control your choice. That spirit person on the inside of you, I'm speaking to you. Just like when Jesus was talking to the demoniac man, that demoniac man had 2,000 demons on the inside of him. And Jesus said, what is your name? I believe he was talking to the man, not to the demons. He was trying to get the man to respond. The demon responded and said, we are legion. And Jesus was like, I'm not talking to you all. I wanna know him. Tell me your name. We made a theology about asking demons their names. Jesus didn't need to know the demon's name to get him out. He didn't make it a habit to talk to demons every time he wanted to talk to the demons. He said, let him go, release, forget. We don't need to know the name of the demon. But he was trying to, I believe, you don't have to believe me, that's fine, we can have a difference of opinion. I believe he was speaking to the man. What is your name, my son? And the demon wouldn't let him talk and try to cover it, but Jesus was going after the one on the inside. That's what I'm trying to say. On the inside of your bondage, on the inside of your addiction, you're still there. The son, the daughter of God, that spirit person, make a decision to come out of that bondage, of that addiction. Come on now. Amen. You have a choice right now to be truthful and to come clean with those you've been lying to. There are times I've done counseling in my office and there's things going on behind closed doors, especially between spouses. And there has to come a point where you tell your spouse the truth of what's been happening. The Bible says the truth will make you free. And too many times people are like, well, I don't want them to know because I don't wanna hurt them. You're already hurting them. I don't want them to leave me. Then you're still living a lie and a deception. And you're building a whole house under false pretense. What happens if I tell the truth and they leave? Then at least it's the beginning of a real honest relationship and a future. But living in darkness and hiding and lying and deception isn't building the marriage or the relationship anyways. You said, Pastor Kevin, you're setting people up some really tough conversations after the service. Listen, I'm not setting you up at all. I'm trying to share with you what I believe the Lord's been saying to say. He's gonna to have to help you walk through it. And things may get a little messy, maybe very messy. But on the other side of obeying God is life, is life. Sometimes you make a huge mess when you remodel a house and it gets messier before it gets better. But just living with all the rot behind the walls isn't making it better. Amen. You have a choice to make about whether or not you're gonna raise your kids to know God. Stop playing around with the things of God. That's why you get serious about going to church, getting your kids in church, the things you talk about in the house, the things you allow in the house and don't allow in the house. Get serious about raising your kids for God. Don't say you're raising your kids for God, but there's nothing godly in your life or in your house or in your habits or in your patterns. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But that has some legs to it, doesn't it? It's not just a, that's just an empty comment. Men, you can make a choice to tithe. Can I get an amen? amen? It is your choice. And if you're gonna do it, do it in faith. No one's gonna come after you for it. But if you're gonna tithe, give God your first and give God your best. And if you're not gonna tithe, then that's something between you and God. But we still preach and believe that our offerings, our finances, that first and foremost, the first and best goes to God. It's the right way to order our lives. And it's a choice. It's a decision because there's times you don't want to tithe. There's times you don't, you don't feel like it or times where you think it needs to go another way. But by faith, I choose to give God what's his and not take his and try to use that to meet my need. Why? Because God is the one that meets my need. <laughs> Our choices are powerful. They create outcomes. They create consequences. They also create new beginnings. Mm. Our choices can also limit God. I'm gonna end in this, area, this section right here and then we're gonna, we're gonna land this plane. What, my choices can limit God? What, I thought God was all powerful. God is all powerful. And in his infinite wisdom and infinite power, he gave you the freedom of choice. Your choices can limit God and his involvement in your life. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Is that right? But what about those who choose not to call? Do you see that? You have a choice. If you choose never to call on the Lord, if you choose to never make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you've limited his will for your life. The Bible said it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance and all who will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. But there are a lot of individuals who will not call. They will not call because they do not know or they will not call because they do not choose to call. And if they do not call, they cannot be saved and they can short circuit God's will for their life. You have the ability to stop and short circuit God's will for your life with your choice, with your choice. Mark chapter six, verse one through six, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, which was his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and they refused to believe him. Then he told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and his own family. Verse five, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. It wasn't that he didn't wanna do miracles. It wasn't that he lost his power to do miracles. It was their unbelief limited what he would do in their life. Their decision to not believe, their decision to minimize who he was, their decision to resist him, limited his ability to bring his will into their life. Their choice, our choices matter. Our choices have consequences. Our choices can even limit God in our lives. Yeah. I'm just gonna say these because of time. I could teach on all of them, but I don't have time to, but please write them down. And I do provide them in the app, in your notes, but choose to believe God. And here's some safeguards in your choice, in your choices, safeguards in making choices. Number one, hide God's word in your heart. So I'm not just asking you to make choices in your own understanding. Number one, hide God's word in your heart. Choose to read the Bible consistently. Hide God's word in your heart, study it, know it. Number two, ask God for input. Ask God, you can do it in a moment. You could say, God, what am I supposed to do right now? It can be a quick prayer. You don't have to pray a super long prayer all the time. You could experience hurt. You can experience a moment where you wanna respond in the flesh, but you can pause and say, okay, God, help me. But, and in big decisions and little decisions and big decisions, whether or not you should move, whether or not how you should make that business deal, what you do about your children's situation, bring God into this. Too many times we talk more about praying than we actually pray. 
You're trying to make a decision about your kid's school, trying to make a decision about your finances, and you talk, talk, talk to everyone else about it, and you act like you've prayed about it, but you haven't even asked the Lord if you're honest. You have not asked God at all about your finances or what to do. Amen. So number one, hide God's word in your heart. Number two, ask for God's input. Number three, seek qualified, godly, spiritual counsel. I say those words specifically. Seek qualified, godly, spiritual counsel. Not everyone who has an opinion is qualified. Amen. Look for individuals that have succeeded in God in the things that you have concern with. Ask them about their journey. Ask them about their story. Seek qualified, godly, people whose lives are surrendered to God, spiritual counsel, people who know the word, people who are people of prayer, whose life are filled with the fruit of the spirit. You can trust them, not just anyone who shows up in the church building. Number four and final, the peace of God, the peace of God. God's peace doesn't mean that you don't feel stretched at times, and it doesn't mean that you don't feel some anxiety or some fear sometimes, but there is this constant reminder and awareness that God is with you, even when you're doing things bigger than you. Sometimes people say, I don't feel any peace. I feel a little nervous. I'm not talking about like the bad icky kind of fear. I'm talking about you may be in something that's just so much bigger than you. Like when we were on our journey here to Orlando, it wasn't an icky fear, like a sinful fear, but there was anxiety and there was concern and stress and some things because it was just so much bigger than what we'd ever done before. And so that doesn't mean God's peace wasn't present. God's peace was present, even though I felt overwhelmed at times, but there was something in me that was like, God is with you, be not afraid. So when I talk about the peace of God, it doesn't mean that you don't feel intimidated or you don't feel some being stretched. The peace of God is something actually greater and more present than those feelings. In the middle of those feelings, there's this sense of being in the middle of God's plan and purpose, but those feelings may still be present. Let me pray this over your life. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me, would you? Just stand up. Did you get anything out of that today? Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us the ability to choose. And Lord, I thank you that today as we've unpacked this whole discussion, that God, you are confronting individuals with some choices, that today they need to make some decisions about some things. Holy Spirit, I ask that you make it very clear, clear and very plain. And I thank you to give them the ability to make those decisions. God, I know that it's not always easy and I'm not promising it's gonna be perfect after they make those decisions. There may be some rough things that take place, but God, we choose life. We choose blessing. We choose the way of the Lord and we let go of the other choices. God, help us even this week as we're presented with choices that you help us to see this little illustration. If there was a label on that decision, is this a choice towards life or is this a choice towards death? And God, help us to begin making the choices that lead to life and blessing. I thank you we have the ability to do that with your help. I give you thanks and praise. This church is getting stronger. We're maturing. We're growing up in the things of God. You've got big plans for us. We need to sort out some of this stuff so that we can go beyond where we've been. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, just give God praise, would you, church? Just give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Before you leave, I wanna give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages and penalty of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I wanna to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord Jesus to save you, forgive you your sins, bring you into the family of God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for 30 seconds? I'm gonna to count to three, and when I say three, if you need to make a decision to give your life to Jesus for the first time or to recommit yourself to Jesus, just put your hand up and we'll pray for you right where you are. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up? There's one hand right there in the front. Awesome. Anybody else? Two, three. Praise God. Anybody else? Four. Anyone else? Put it up. Put it up high. Five. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody else? Put it up. We'll pray with you right where you are. Five. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. If I didn't see your hand, God did anyway. Six, thank you very much. We're gonna to pray together. I wanna to thank you, church, before I pray. 
um, for making this a holy moment, by the way. Sometimes we get in the habit of running out when I make that altar call. And this is the whole reason why we're here for some individuals' lives. This is the most important moment of the day. Thank you for being here and staying focused while we have the altar call. I appreciate that. Awesome. Repeat this prayer after me, everybody. Use your faith. God hears you and he answers and responds. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate all those that prayed that prayer today? We hope you have been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person for our Sunday morning worship experience every Sunday at 10 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. There you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.